Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the Alex and More podcast. I'm here with Alex and Dr. Dana Jack, uh, principal of Metro Health and Rehab, located in uh, Frederick, Maryland. So they are a home health staffing company in Maryland. And as you guys know, both Alex and I are home health physical therapists. So it's great to have a colleague on the show tonight. Welcome, Dana. Thank, Thank you, for you so us. much. Thank you so much. I am very, very happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, you sure? very much you for sure? taking me. <laughs> she, she, she's been a little nervous. She don't know what to expect. But, I'm real nervous. Uh, but uh, I was told that I'm in very good hands for my maiden voyage on a podcast. And I absolutely. think this is, this is one of the best podcasts for me to have my maiden vo voyage on because, you know, yeah. because of Dr. Caruth and Alex, I've heard so much about you and, you know, the great work that you all are doing in the medical digital space. I love it. And the guests that you all have on, they're so engaging and, you know, just providing a lot of information when it comes to rehab and home health. Thank you. We okay. appreciate that. We appreciate that. Yeah, that, definitely. Again, thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight. Um, and obviously with it being your third po your first podcast, hopefully uh, we can make it fun and enjoyable and get to learn about you and, and what you got going on because, um, you know, obviously, we were joking before, uh, you don't have much of a, of a social media uh, footprint. So when Mo, Mo sends me over, you know, who our guest is, you know, my usually my first thing is I look them up. You know, what what is it about them? You know, read up on them, you know, whatever their social media may be, kind of things that attract me. So shortly after I get the text from Mo, I'm like, Mo, I can't find her. Like, <laughs> Uh, what, 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 what's going on? I need to know what, what who I'm dealing with here. Um, so Mo gives me a little bit of background, obviously, with your your and hers interaction. But yeah, hopefully after tonight we can get you uh, get you rolling, get you more uh, upfront first first row of social media, and and hopefully bring good things for you. But again, thank you for being with us. Oh, I've tried, Alex. So I've tried. I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yesterday she was like are you ready to be on the podcast i was like yeah um when she said tomorrow <laughs> i said tomorrow tomorrow as in tuesday she said mm -hmm. I said, oh. well you know like you're, you're also from the caribbean you're from trinidad as well so you know that whole time there's really no time you know we just kind of roll um I, i'm from south america i'm from colombia we we wow. same thing like we don't really have a time you know, we always used to joke around, you know, if somebody would ask us, hey, where are you? Or you'd be like, yeah, I'll be there in like five minutes. Haven't even left the house, you know, so. Um, oh, my goodness. Time, time is a fluid situation for us. But. It is, it is, it is. You know, right. jumping in, jumping in, you know, feet first. That's right. That's, that's right. That's so, what you got to do. Yeah. So let's, let's get, let's go to the beginning. Tell us how. Dana becomes Dr. Dana and what kind of takes you down the road of, of physical therapy? Okay. From the beginning, beginning. All right. Okay. All right. I mean, we, okay. we like to, we, we want to get to the roots. See, see hey, you did give awesome. him time to do his research. So, I mean, he's yeah, like, I got to ask the questions, you know, normally I, I, I can find some of this on, on Instagram or Twitter, uh -huh. but nothing. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm here and I will tell my story. You know, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago, just like, you know, Monique. And um, I left my country thinking that I was going to be an infectious disease physician. I left, you know, I went to undergrad, did everything that I needed to do to get into med school, right? And um, while I was wait got into med school, while I was waiting um, for my funding to come through, um, I was teaching actually high school, teaching pre-calculus and honors geometry. <laughs> high school, Ooh, Montgomery was County. That here in the state? That was <laughs> yeah. in the state? Yeah, in Montgomery County after undergrad, yeah. Loved it, made a lot of friends, a lot of colleagues. And while I was, you know, I was just doing that as interim while I was waiting for my funding. And then they said, oh yeah, your funding's not gonna come. And I was like, what? <laughs> really? So I had to like, so all of that, right? So we're talking, years of envisioning myself becoming an infectious disease physician, I had to rethink my plan. 
you know, and imagine having a plan for all those years and then it came down to funding. You know, I'm an international student here in America, no family, you know, just the, the made family through friends, through friendships, right? And um, I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I was talking to one of my colleagues that I made while I was teaching and she said, well, what about physical therapy? Because the program, the med school program, you had to get funding right from like your government or from like a business or something because it was an international medical school and i was like physical therapy what's that and then she's like look it up look it up because i said okay all right <laughs> so i looked it up and i applied to the same school that i had applied previously for med school I, you know i turned down because of funding income and time and then got accepted into the pt program you know not knowing not even having an internship in physical therapy just doing some cursory research on the internet. Um, and I, I, you know, like I'm doing today, I jumped feet first in, you know, and um, went, started PT school. And it was very interesting because my classmates, they were from very backgrounds, right? I was the only one from the Caribbean, but in terms of like their undergrad degrees and stuff, we had someone who actually was in the army and he was responsible for tagging, unfortunately, bodies on the battlefield. You know, we had even we had someone who had a pre um, their major was pre physical therapy. And I didn't even know that that existed. We had sociology majors. We had kinesiology majors. Um, you know, I did chemistry and biology because I was getting ready to go to med school, you know, so. I and I was I was particularly drawn to the program that I went to because there was a business class. Imagine going to PT school because of one business class. Which school was this, Dana? Uh, <laughs> oh, I went to George Washington University in DC. Yeah, there was a business class. And I was like, yes, because, you know, I always have that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I had my, my, my family there into business. I had a business when I was 16, 17. So I was, I was, you know, I wanted to make a business out of this, you know? So I went through all those long hours and also, I liked working with humans. Okay. I love the medical field. I love the body. I love muscles, bones, because I was also a track athlete um, throughout high school and also undergrad. You know, so the whole idea of the physiology and the kinesiology of the body really, really interests me. So, you know, and that's that's really and truly how I became a physical therapist. Would you so, do it over again? That's a very good question. That's a, and I know you've asked me this question before, you know, mm -hmm. and with all honesty, right? Looking at the progress and looking at the opportunities that mm -hmm. they are in the profession, I would. You would? Yeah. Hmm. So how that's long interesting. Have, how long have you been practicing? Thirteen years actually. Okay. So yeah. You're close to me. So I'm not gonna ask you how old you are, but you're close to me. <laughs> um, so it's interesting that that you said. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I said no. It's fifteen. I, I got fifteen. My I was just about to say fifteen. Yeah. Okay. So you're right. Where I am. We're all in the same boat. Are we? Are we gonna? Are we gonna count the the internship and the rotations? Are we counting that too? Well, that was uh, part of like course, school, yeah. but. Okay. I know I did a you know what when I um started in the, when I did my rotation in the sniff that's when I fell in love with sniff and I was working I was working so yeah let's start from there so <laughs> but but anyways <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned that you picked the program at George Washington because there was a business class right mm -hmm. and yes. that you had this entrepreneurial spirit um from a young age and obviously your your family influence mm -hmm. That's very interesting to me when we're talking about the time frame that how long we've been practicing, because it just wasn't something that I would say many people went into physical therapy thinking, right? Because most people at that time are probably thinking, I'm going to go into physical therapy and more than likely I want to work with athletes, right? So um, that's what I want to do. And the only place that I do that is in an outpatient facility, right? So I'm either going to work at a hospital or I'm going to work for one of these big corporate because at least to me, like it wasn't really known the small private practice. It wasn't like that was what was pushed, right? It's obviously pushed now. And we've talked about it 
on on many episodes now where our newer colleagues man they're coming out the gates just ready to hit it because they've seen it evolve and, and where the world is now in the business and and how um you know that's truly the avenue for you to really have any kind of financial freedom so to speak right because as they say across the board does not just in physical therapy or in healthcare but just across the board like you're working for somebody else you're just paying for somebody else's dream mm -hmm. um, you're not yeah. necessarily you know fueling yours so definitely very interesting that that, that was something that that you sought out at that time mm -hmm. because I, I venture to say it probably was nowhere near the top list for any other applicant as to what they were looking for in a program yeah i went to the university of south florida and quite frankly the most exciting thing for me was that we were going to be the the charter dpt class okay. so i was just like oh being the first of something and it's a doctorate and stuff like mm -hmm. i wasn't thinking like um you know business or, or anything of that point obviously that kind of grew in my program and, and what I ultimately decided to do. But yeah. man, kudos to you for thinking that route because now it's kind of paid off for you, right? It did. It really did. And you know, what's interesting is that that was one class, one PT, one business class, right? Well, I think my light just went off. Yeah. That was one, one PT class, one business class. And, um, I was disappointed. I thought I was going and I was learning how to set up my own practice, you know, all that good stuff. So I sat there in the class like, okay, all right. Like I have to go about this a different way, you know? So graduated and I said, all right, whatever job I have, I want a hybrid. Okay. So I want a hybrid. I want to be able to be in management and also be a practicing clinician. So my first job was with Aegis Therapies. And I learned so much from Aegis Therapies. I had an awesome VP who, you know, she really um, held the hands of her, you know, the, the, the therapist who wanted to transition into corporate. And, um, you know, when I started off as a therapist, I was so, I was running into work anytime um, they had another building that needed support. I would drive like an hour to go to this other building after work lunch because I wanted to see as many cases. I wanted to experience different things. I wanted to meet different people. I would do, I was volunteering. For Eager beaver, Eager beaver. <laughs> I was volunteering for everything. And I was, because I'm a worker, you know, I'm a worker, right? I know how to work hard and I know what success looks like. Um, and I know what it takes to be successful. You know, so move quickly from a clinical role into uh, what, what they, they call it RPC, Rehab Program Coordinator. And then from that into a director of rehab role. And that's where I learned the business. That's where I learned the EBITDAs, right? That's where I learned about the profit margins. And, you know, through that VP that really held my hand and all of the DORs hands to show us the business. She was really concerned about the business of physical, of rehab. So to, what advice would you give, knowing that you had that experience on that foundation, um, because it definitely has paid off with you having your own business now, what advice would you give to new grads who just want to jump right in into business without knowing those numbers um, and the details, uh, key performance index, um, to actually fully operate a business. Okay. Because so, I know I, I was mm -hmm. flying the plane and building, putting parts. Yeah. I was like hoping <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, fall yeah. down. <laughs> and, you, and you know me, you know I'm also about a lot about compliance, right? And that's because of that foundation with Aegis, right? So yeah. let's say, for, so my advice would be, okay, if you know that's, that's what your focus is, but you also wanna like, wanna you improve your clinical skills and, be able to talk about, you talk intelligently, clinically, practically, and not from the textbook perspective. I would say get with a company and, you know, ask to be a, you know, one of the folks in corporate to be a mentor, you know, and um, try to climb that ladder really quickly where you are, you get some of that clinical experience, like probably for like one, two years or even one year, and then you jump into the management role 
Now, a lot of these companies, there's a hybrid, right? So even though you're treating, you're also in the management role. Okay. So, and that for me was kind of difficult because I worked a lot, you know, off hours during the management side, and then I would be in the clinic treating. Okay. But from, I think now they're probably, you know, probably moving away from that a little bit where they see the, the, the benefit of having a director of rehab in the facility, just focus strictly on running the business and, you know, keeping the employees and the patients engaged. So how long were you the DOR? So I was, I think I was DOR for like three years with Aegis. And then I, because of course it was a hybrid role, right? So treating and also management. And then I moved from there and went to another company where I was strictly just DOR, um, just managing. And I really, and that is what, that, that opportunity is what propelled me to go into opening my own company. And what was it about that opportunity that, that made you propel? This is an open space. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have to drink my water. This is an open space <laughs> where we we speak freely. There is no judgment. Um, and uh, yeah. Okay. We, we give us the tea. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You know what it was? I will tell you what it was. And it was something that followed me from Aegis. The productivity. The productivity standards. It was getting higher and higher and higher. And it was like, but how do you expect a therapist to be 90-something percent productive when there's an elevator in the building? When you have the therapist has to wait for the elevator to go upstairs to get a patient and then come back down. How are they legally achieving that productivity standard? I couldn't understand it. And I saw my therapist. They were happy. They were a happy bunch of therapists. But I know I didn't want that for myself. So it was very challenging for me to expect that from clinicians. And I would have the dreaded conversation of, oh, your, your productivity was 80%. Well, what happened? And I'm thinking in my head, I know what happened. I know exactly what happened. But I had to go through that. And then I had to give a report as to why this therapist wasn't 90-something percent. And, you know, I was like, no, no. And I, I, was, I was working a lot. I had my laptop. I would go on vacation in the morning time. I had my laptop. I was doing the schedules. I was doing what the PPS with the number, with the minutes. And you have to add up, you know, to the, top, to the, 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 the assessment periods and stuff. It was a lot, and I was I was looking into becoming a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I was burnt out. I was like, no, I need, I need to get out of this. I love my job. I my my clinicians, the team, amazing, amazing, hardworking, dedicated, honest, ethical. I loved it, but I was burnt out. Now, the the what was your interaction? So obviously you're describing what you're describing from what I understand. I've never worked in a skilled nursing facility, um, so I don't really know, you know, even the flow or the expectations. But just from hearing other people talk that work in that setting, doesn't sound like much has changed from what you're describing, right? But it sounds like you tried to be that leader that was relatable to your team, right? You, you were on the same level. Your titles were different, but you tried to, to meet them where they're at to kind of, you know, get them to know that they're supported and understood and all that stuff, right? Because you speak of burnout and when those productivity standards are set at what seems to be a very high level, if you're feeling like you're just wandering in the ocean, so to speak, by yourself and, and your managerial staff doesn't have your back or doesn't even support you, that can seem even more uh, of a daunting task, right? Yeah. So long way to say, did you, what was your conversations with like your superiors, for lack of a better mm -hmm. word, like when you're telling them or if you were telling them like, hey man, these what we're doing 
here for this team is not realistic or they're not meeting it because of X, Y, Z. Like, what was that interaction like? It was okay. So we'll try again tomorrow. And then I think I think they kind of put me in a mini performance plan because <laughs> because, because before I left in the evening, I had to have a phone call with the productivity, even though the staff was still working. Right? <laughs> like what? You know, I had to account for where I think the productivity would be at the end of the day, if we would meet all the minutes and that kind of thing. There was there the the support was lacking. I think there comes a point, and I and I hope I never get to this point, where when you're in the C-suite, that you kind of lose touch with what's happening on the ground. You know, and I think that's what happens. And I mean, obviously, we don't do this for the money, right? Like that is a benefit of what we do. And, and some of us are very blessed to be on the higher end of, of the, the money potential. But it sounds like there was really no significant amount of money that kind of made all that stuff that you were going through worth it, right? Like but you're talking yeah. about you're on vacation and you're still working. like. Yeah. Waking up at five to do schedules because that's the way I operate. If I have I have a team, things must be easy for my team so that that way they can practice and they can operate to the top of their ability. So you remove all barriers. So by the time they come into work, schedules are already there, already done. There is no, oh, who am I seeing today? Blah, blah, blah. Notes already, expectations already laid out for the day. Okay. Because you want them to be able to be free to to see the patients, right? Not to be worrying about things that they should not be worrying about, which is the the managerial side of things. Yeah. So yeah, so no no amount of compensation um, would you know would be enough for what we do, like you said, because what we do really and truly. It's a, it's a thankless, you know, thank you is enough. And thank you is a, it's a lot. Thank you goes a long way, right? But in terms of the money, there's a lot of potential. Um, but like I always like to say, I like the hard cases. I like a case where when I step into that home, that patient's laying on the bed, hasn't walked in years. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> well, well, you had a patient like that not too long ago, what are you talking about? Yep, yep. <laughs> and, for me, and for me, that's the compensation right there. Yeah, that's it. Well, um, Jeff Moore was on uh, on the season, and he had made comments warning therapists, if you are a really great clinician or good clinician, to be careful of accepting promotions to the managerial role or C-suite because you find yourself in a situation like that. And um, But... I always have this belief that the type of employee you are will translate into the type of boss or owner you become. And seeing that you try to make everything work well for your team so your team will feel appreciated, that it will take the pressures off of them to just do what they love, which is treat the patients. Um, I see that... Now, in our collaboration, that, that's the type of owner you are. And that's how you run your business, and that's why you attract the contractors that you attract to work for you. So um, kudos to that. If, you, if anyone out there is planning on being a boss or owner, if you are a difficult employee or if you suck, your work ethic sucks, trust me, you're not going to be a good business owner. And the people that you attract to work on your team are going to do you the same thing that you've done to other people. Mm -hmm. That's all I say. No, I think that's, I, I think that's facts, Mo. I mean, I, I run my business as just me, right? I didn't, I didn't want to deal with hiring, paying, managing, you know, like I wanted to work for myself, have the freedom to do what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. With that said, you're in business now with other business owners or people that are trying to run their business. And those are some of the obstacles that, that you run into, right? 
It can be something as simple as just the communication on how the patients are going to be seen, how they're scheduled, how those referrals come in to more serious matters is like, are you paying me on time? Are you doing what you need to be doing? Like I did my part of the, the, the job, like you need to do your part. Right. But I, I think work ethic is the number one thing. Um, I think if you have any ambition of wanting to run a business, whether you're doing it my way, which is just for myself or the way that you two, uh, ladies are doing it where you have a team, you have a group, you have people in places like it all comes down to your work ethic. I mean, Dana, if I lived in your area, I think I'd want to do business with you because you exude this like, yo, let's work together. Like this isn't, this isn't me sitting high and mighty over here or, or anything of the sorts. It's like, let's just work together so that we can both eat, you know? And this is something that I tell Mo all the time. Like there's more than enough for all of us to eat. Oh, yeah, the than pie's enough, big enough, right? The pie's big enough, but, yeah. <laughs> but when, we, when we're doing this 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 clashing because of egos and, and whatnot and, and work ethics and all that stuff, it only complicates it, right? So it takes this big pie and makes it into this real small thing where we're trying to fight over crumbs when we're just wasting time there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, a great point, Mo, because you know, just in listening to you and, and talking, like you could see your work ethic, you can see that you want to make things easier. And those are the type of people you want to work with. Those are the type of people that if you ask, hey, Alex, can you do this extra for me? Hey, Alex, this patient, I just got this referral. I know it's like five o'clock on a Friday. Do you think you can knock it out? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because you've shown that this goes both ways. This isn't just you trying to eat and me over here just starving, killing myself, trying to get stuff. So exactly. absolutely. So yeah. tell us now, how does this burnt out, I'm tired, this isn't for me, lead to Metro Health and Rehab? Hey, remember she said she wanted to become a dentist, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so fast forward. <laughs> I, you know, Monique was there for everything. She was there for everything. <laughs> she was there for the phone call. As a matter of fact, I think you came to my office a few weeks before. Mm -hmm. And we sat there and we spoke. And I, you know, I told you, I, I laid it all out there. And you were like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember clearly. You, you listen. You listen. It was a Saturday, too. Because mm -hmm. That's another thing, Alex. <laughs> I happened to have patients in the area that she was working, and it was probably like an hour and a half from my house. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's another thing, Alex. I was working weekends. So in addition to working during the week, right, I was working holidays, weekends, right, making sure, because I know how important family time is and holidays and stuff so i was like all right i'll go you know you, my therapist you you take off right i'll do it right because i didn't at that time i didn't have you know a family where you know because my family is in trinidad and tobago you know so i would be like i'll, I'll take it i'll do it you know go you have a good time you know so that that saturday you know monique was there with me and we spoke for a long time and she said all she said was hmm <laughs> <laughs> I can see that too. <laughs> and but but also another thing I failed to mention is that I was doing home health ever since I graduated from grad school. So throughout you were all doing the, you were yeah. the DOR and you're doing home health. What yeah, time? So, I, what so time? I was a, so I was a clinician, right? I was a clinician, then transitioned to DOR, which is clinician and managerial. And I was also doing home health, but I would see like one, two patients and those times. So no one trained me. All right. <laughs> I was going in there because I, to me, it was very easy to transition from sniff to doing home health. And I was in there for a whole hour, sometimes an hour and a half, getting my patients already. And the agencies used to be like, how are these patients getting, getting better so quickly? And I was like, yeah, because I've been there for like an hour, hour and a half, you know? <laughs> It's like I'm just hanging out. You have dinner with them, you know. We're working. We're working. 
I just, this is like after work or before work, you know, because I, I didn't, with my 30 minute lunch break, I, you know, I couldn't run off to go see a patient, but all of this was, you know, before, after work. And, um, Monique, you know, after a while, you know, she said, well, why don't you, you know, come over into the home health space? I was like, all right, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> full time. I was like, all right. She was very tentative. She didn't think. So, but but let me ask possible. you, though, what, what was the, the, the why behind you doing home health from the beginning, though, right? Because you, you're busy as all get up. Mm-hmm. So you're maybe like, you know, like you said, you're maybe doing one or two visits a week. So I can't imagine that the motivation there is money, right? Because actually, if you're only- actually oh, it was. Okay. I stand it, was correct. Money. it was money, but you know, it was small money too, because back in those days, I, we were getting paid what, like 40, $50 a visit. And you me- remember I wasn't there an hour, hour and a half, but I was having fun. But you remember- <laughs> So it was, it was both. We, it was we have to have a conversation about that. In <laughs> <laughs> so, the beginning, it was all about, because remember, I was telling you, right, that I just wanted to experience all different types of etiologies and presentations and impairments, right? And I was, I was really, I immersed myself a, into a lot of opportunities. And then I was getting paid for it too, you know, so I was, you know, I was having, I was having a good time. <laughs> But, but I would tell you, the the number one driver that really propelled me to making that the jump from going into that secure every two week paycheck because I was salaried, I was salaried right, but no overtime because you know I'm a working piece, so I'm working, working, doing I gotta do. It was because I wanted to create an atmosphere, an environment for clinicians that when they need to go on vacation and spend time with their family, they can go no problem. To make money, they can be here. To have a supportive colleague that supplies patients to them if they want to be an entrepreneur themselves or not even go through that route but just see patients to make a little bit of money and have the flexibility because what i was noticing is that the space was not clinician friendly so i make it a point to create a clinician friendly environment in the rehab space so i have never put out an add-on indeed my because my philosophy is good clinicians no good clinicians and you know we are going on five years and we have a mighty team our team of clinicians they are to me the best you hear that mo the best clinicians <laughs> okay it's not it's not competition it's no competition how how far how far are you two like like <laughs> Um, about an hour and Some 30 changes. minutes. Hour and even 30 though, minutes. even though she thinks it's all three hours, eh? you should hear her, Alex. You should hear her to come over here. Yeah, <laughs> 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 she thinks it's so far, right? Um, so, so we, you know, my, the clinicians on our team, they are a bunch of talented committed, ethical, or patient-oriented clinicians. And I am so proud and happy and blessed that, you know, we've put together such a dynamic and amazing team over here at Metro Health and Rehab. Now, do you, the your team of therapists, now, are you just doing PT or do you have like other services as well? Yeah, so we perform, we provide PT, OT and speech therapy. And um, we're in a we're in a few counties here in Maryland. So we're in Baltimore, Howard, Carroll, Frederick, Washington, and Montgomery County. And then are those all like 1099s? Are they employees mm-hmm. or there's a mixture? They're all 1099s. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So then basically what you do as the owner of Metro Health is you bring in the contracts, you get everything set up, and then you just feed them patients. Yep. And and I, I see them, they're, their I see them they're their own bosses. Yep. Mm -hmm. I see and, them flexibility. And how have you gone about, so for somebody who may be watching and is thinking, hey, I want I want the Mo and Dana model, what, what do you say to that individual? Like, what is the most important thing that you've probably learned and Mo for you as well um, that you had to learn the hard way. So hard way? Yeah. <laughs> that you had to learn the hard way that you would say, Hey, look, up and coming therapist that wants to, to work in this space using this model, do this. What would that be? Oh my goodness. There's so many. We've learned so much, right, Monique? Yep. Oh my goodness, we've learned so much. There's the financial piece. There is the HR piece. There's the collaboration piece. Oh my goodness, where, where do we where do I start? Where do well, I start? Let's just let, let's start here. I, you know, one one of the things for me, and I don't want to call it a hesitation, but the question that always comes up in my head is. How do I go out and generate these contracts, right? Like, because it's real easy, like what I did, you know, and I guess in a sense you would do what I've done, but on hopefully a much bigger scale, but it's just like, what do you do? Are you looking on Indeed? Are you on LinkedIn? Like, how are you making these connections? Great question. So what I did was I went on the Maryland Department of Health, of Health website and I pulled a list of all the agencies in Maryland, created a script. And my sister, who was actually my first admin assistant, she called, we started at A. <laughs> because it went from A to Z. And she called, we created a spreadsheet, the name of the company, the date we called, what we said, the feedback, blah, 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 all that stuff. And we cold called. We cold called and we said, this is what we're offering. Okay. So that was one, one aspect. Another aspect was, you know, Monique, she's in the community. You know, she has a lot of contacts and she was able to, you know, talk to owners and get us, get contracts with them. So some of them we did not know because of the cold calling. And then, you know, some of them we knew through Dr. Monique. Um, so, and then when a few years into the game, people were calling us because our product speaks for itself. Okay. So let's back up. You said you called and you said, this is what we're offering. Mm -hmm. What are you offering? Like, how are you different than. How are we different? You see professionalism and communication because these agencies they're looking to pass their entrust. Let me not say pass off, entrust their patients, their clients to a rehab team and they can close so they can close their eyes. What we offer, we offer a product where you know they can hand over that patient to us and we will complete that that plan of care from start to finish. And if there's a problem, we let them know right away. We mitigate, we intervene. We, if, if, if the, a client needs an additional service, we're there saying, okay, this patient needs this. We call the physician, we call the social worker. Okay, sometimes I've even done makeup on a patient because she wanted to go out, <laughs> you know? So we go above and beyond um, and you see that that communication and that closing the loop because they're not in the home we are so we had to create a product that was built upon trust visibility high ethical standards and then we also have electronic documentation so that that was another part of uh, one of the constructs that I needed that was a must have a non-negotiable 
with this company was electronic documentation because it that improves the visibility of your company of your clinicians through the documentation system so or or customers they have access 24 7 access to the documentation so they're not wondering or waiting in the mail for documentation to come through for them to hand it off to an insurance company it's right away they can be split so what yeah. about what about the so what if the agency has their own emr like do you just use theirs mm -hmm. or are you still going through yours and getting it to them no we we use ours and then they go and they download it from ours because we deal with many how many <laughs> over 15 over 20 over 20 um agencies so it is not effective there's only one oh, sorry there's only one agency where we use their software because that's a medicare agency right um but it would just be too cumbersome for us to train our clinicians remember this is supposed to be easy right now would you like to come and work for a company where you have to learn a plethora of emr systems no so we made the decision that we are sticking with this one emr and then we give our customers access to that emr system and all clinicians love it we can't hear you money you're on mute we also made sure that it was clinician friendly um mm -hmm. because we are also clinicians uh yep. so mm -hmm. See, and, and, and that's that's one of the things. So like in my setup, obviously I I 1099 with the agencies, uh, but I use whatever system they have. Now, that's a lot. With that said, I only pick agencies that have, basically I only deal with like two or three EMR system, right? Okay. So if the agency doesn't use this AMR system, then I'm not gonna do business with them right okay. now the good thing at least in my area is a lot of agencies use basically two emr systems so it works out for me in in this situation to where i don't have to learn a bunch of emrs matter of fact one of the one of the the people that i i do business with they're like hey we're going to take on a new agency or the agency we were using Switch the EMRs. I said, I'm done. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not learning wow. another EMR. Mm -hmm. Right. And eventually, this person decided as a whole that she wasn't going to do it because, you know, she she lose you. exactly. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, I have these two main EMRs that I, that I do. Um, and that's about it. Like, mm -hmm. and, and going back to what you were saying about making it easy and, when I asked you, what is it that you provide? Like in my head, for my scenario, I always look at it with these agencies and with the people that I contract with as how can I make it easier for you to make your money, mm -hmm. right? So yes, everything that you pointed out is absolutely right. We still need to take care of the patient. We need to address all of their needs and, and everything that goes with that. I mean, I, I feel like obviously we're stating it, but it should go unsaid because that's what we do as therapists is mm -hmm. provide care, um, total body care, especially in home health. When we're dealing with whatever is their ailment is their living situation, their family situation, their financial situation, all of that factors into, to what we do. Mm -hmm. But when I'm dealing with another business owner, it's like, how can I make it to where you can make your money the easiest way, right? Mm -hmm. And for us, at least for me in my situation is the documentation. The yep. documentation has to be done and it has to be done in a timely fashion mm -hmm. so that then their team can do what they need to do to bill and do all that appropriately. So like yeah. my thing is always like, look, if I see the patient today, by the time I get home, that note is done. Oh, wow. Okay. You're getting paid. Mm -hmm. You're going to do what you need to do to get paid it's not going i'm not going to be holding up your billing yeah your billing right yeah. and because unfortunately at least around here and i've worked with other clinicians where it takes them a couple of days you know i've yeah. had i've had ptas <laughs> that are like a couple of weeks behind on notes and i'm like making phone calls like hey you're not necessarily my employee but i can't work with you if if you're not doing the documentation because mm -hmm. when i come to do a reval when i come to a discharge or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be 
Like I need to know what it is, right? But those are things that the 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 owners and the administrators of the agencies, like they don't want to be dealing with that. Mm-hmm. They literally want to, here's a patient, see the yep. patient, fill yep. it, make money, and just keep it going. Yeah, right? that's that's exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we solve their pain points. Yep. Um, from start to finish. If they're doing the billing and getting the cases, we're taking care of all the HR files, we're taking care of the documentation, we're taking care of training the clinicians, and we minimize the patient complaints by providing great service. And we do it on time. So timely start of care, timely discharge, clients get better, everybody gets great review. And that's why people end up calling us to do contracts, but not everybody is our client. We have rejected quite a few people. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yep. Because their standards. If you can't, if you can't meet our policy and um, procedures, basically, no. Yeah, because no, 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 no. Not good business. All business is not good business, and we we have learned that the hard way. In the beginning, Alex, we were taking everything. <laughs> we were. We. Were. We were thinking, it's, it's, it's so interesting to reflect on where we were and our journey because we haven't yet made it, right? We're still growing. We're still learning. We still have a lot of pain points, but we were taking everything, but we decided that our product is too good to just be taking everything that comes our way. So we have a very um, intense screening process, you know? No. For the customers that yeah, for the customers that we take on, because we're trying to avoid the pitfalls that we so, had. So yeah. give me give me some of those things. Like what are what are without without giving away the secrets? Secret what, are, what are some <laughs> of the red flags? What are some of the red flags? Like if you're late to the first meeting, because we <laughs> no for real for real for real for real because for for me I take these things very seriously. That to me, and you know, that to me is a big, big red flag. If we took the time out to send you a Zoom invitation for twelve o'clock, because you bear in mind, you contacted us. We don't, we don't call call anymore. That's where we are. We don't, <laughs> we don't call big call time. anymore, right? Big time. We don't, we don't product. <laughs> Moving on up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look. <laughs> no, we have we have a good product, Alex. Okay. Remember, I believe it. I believe it. Look. Hey, if, if you got it, if you got it. You ain't gotta sell me because I, like I said, I can just tell from just interacting with you how how things roll, right? Like how things are ran. Like I know from all my my interactions with Mo, like I know what it's like. And when you hold that kind of standard. People want that. People are going to find that. They're going to look for it, right? Because once they get it once, once you've given it to one, mm-hmm. that word of mouth gets out. Oh, like, yes. Hey, you need to call Metro. You need to call mm-hmm. Peru, you know, exactly. staffing because, man, look, I ain't got to worry about nothing. Exactly. That thing shows up on my desk. I bill this thing out, pay them, get my money. We're good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, in home health especially, with the way I think that healthcare is is kind of turning, like I think for us in in the home health space, man, we're only getting started. Like, yeah, you know, CMS is doing what they do and trying to 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 make this more cumbersome than what it needs to be. But I think healthcare is is kind of shaping to where people want to be at home. People don't want to be in the mm-hmm. hospital. People don't want to go to rehab facilities if they don't have to um you know so the care is at home and and we need to be able to to capitalize on it but anyways back to the red flags so you're late to a meeting what else (laughs) and you know it's okay to be late but be professional because that shows a level of professionalism right if you're gonna be late send a text message send an email okay that you're gonna be respect yes and we're in home health right that's also a time thing for me when Comcast or any professional is coming into my house and they give me a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. window. Like, really? So for me, I don't like that. When I set an appointment with a clinician, with a with a client, I give a 
30 minute window. And if I am one second, if I think I'm going to be one, one minute late outside of that 30 minute window, I give them a call. I send them a text. I humbly apologize, you know, um, for the inconvenience caused. I'm running a little bit behind. I'll be here at this estimated time. So time is very important. So if you're running a home health agency and you at the top do not have respect for time, that's a red flag because you're dealing with everybody else's time. Okay. Sure. Another well, red flag is nickel and diamond or prices or price because we because we <laughs> when it, Look, that, that Caribbean's coming out, boy. That Caribbean's coming out. Alex, because we know our product, right? Right, really? So once they start... We, we, def we definitely do. And the thing is, uh, a lot of people get the impression that because as women, we don't know how to negotiate. So when we have that introductory um, meeting, they're shocked that they can't, like, <laughs> Flagging us down to what they wanted. But if you know what your worth is, as Philip said, you gotta know your worth. Mm -hmm. You just you just negotiate and you hold fast. Also, you set your boundaries. So people who can't respect your boundaries, that's another red flag. And for those of you who are now starting your business, in, I know it's easy to just wanna accept every and anybody because you just wanna have your money. Mm -hmm. As Dana has said, and we have learned painfully, not every dollar is a good dollar. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because know, go ahead. Yeah, because you're gonna lose it on the back end with all the stress that yeah. you're gonna encounter. Yeah. You know what? Something that that uh that's really kind of become very important in my business dealings is having somebody that is going to have your back, right? Because especially like in, in my situation where I would in turn be kind of contracting with either Mo or yourself, right? So that, that's my setup. So I would need to know that either Mo or you in these examples, that you're going to have my back, right? Because we're in a people business. Mm -hmm. And just like not every dollar is your dollar, you're not going to click with every patient that you see. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. There's going to be patients that don't like you, unfortunately, for the way that you look. There's going to mm -hmm. be patients that don't like you for the way that you sound. There's going to be patients that don't like you just because you showed up on that particular day and they were in a bad mood, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I'm doing business with you, no matter what happens, I need to know that if somebody calls Mo or somebody calls Dana, I said, and that the conversation will end up something to the extent of, well, I'm sorry that that happened, but I absolutely trust that Alex or whoever, um, that's not how they operate, right? And then you can have a conversation with me to say, hey, Alex, what the hell? Like, what's going on? <laughs> what happened? Like, you know, but we're a united front. Yep. Because I had the bad experience of somebody that did not do that. Um, and it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth mm -hmm. because now there's this bad perception of, of me as a clinician, even though I know I didn't do anything, but also mm -hmm. as a business owner of the, your business, because like, who are you hiring? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think, especially in the, in the contractor world, the 1099 world where you're not necessarily an employee. So, you want to build those relationships to help protect yourself as a clinician, help protect your business and the people that you're doing business with. Yep. That's a very good point. And, you know, probably every other day I get a call about this very same issue and I listen. I ask, my first thing is, what would you like to do? That is always my question. Well, what would you like to do? What would you like to see happen? They say what they want to say. And then I say, okay, let me look into it. All right. And you ended where it's a, there's a mutual respect. No one leaves like, what's going on here? You know, kind of yeah. thing. And then, you know, 
you go, you speak with the clinician, just like you said. And I always come from a position of, let me hear, tell me what happened, right? I'm not going in with any preconceived notions. Let me, let me, what happened, right? But I am very fortunate that, you know, because we grew so quickly and, you know, I have a, I have, I have a, I have a step, a layer before me, right? My director of rehab, right? And he's amazing. He's awesome. And the clinicians, it took a while for the clinicians to stop calling me. <laughs> Some of them still change, slip change, in there. change. Always happens with changes. They they still slip in there. And I have to at the end after I solve, you know, we talk through the issue, I slip it in. I was like, oh well, next time um, do you think it's possible for you to contact um my uh, DOR? You know, he's so great at handling these things. And you're like, oh yes, yes, you know. <laughs> so my DOR, he's amazing. And he just gets to the point, you know, he does all he needs to do. And sometimes he doesn't even come back and tell me because he's handled it. He's, he has handled it. It's handled. <laughs> I don't even have to worry because he's just so amazing. And he knows, right, that I, I'm dealing with bringing in the business so that we could keep our clinicians happy. So he doesn't want to burden me with those things. Right, so our team, they know, and I know most, you know, from she, from another perspective, she even offers mental health for her clinicians, right? Because coming out of the pandemic, which was so challenging and so difficult for everyone, because our businesses really exploded because of the the environment that you know the the product that we provide, right? Um, so our clinicians, they know that we we have their backs. Um, you definitely have to have their backs. You also have to know the people that you hired. So um, one thing I've definitely learned is that you don't hire based on need. Don't hire based on need because you can get desperate and mm -hmm. you could end up with that one person that could wreak havoc on what you have worked years on building. Yes. So... Yeah. Um, you also have to trust yourself to trust your team. Um, they are the ones going out there every day, Monday through Friday, some who work on weekends, um, being the face of your business. And I know if you are small, you fear growing, but you have to trust that you can trust people to carry on the vision that you have. They have to buy into your vision. So... Um, a lot of companies too, if depending on who is running that company that we may contract with, um, every little complaint that they have, they're gonna turn it into some big deal when it could be just a simple thing like, okay, a client may hear that, okay, you said you're coming, you told me you're coming between 10 and 11, but 10 o'clock comes, 10 05, and they're calling you like, you said you'll be here at 10. I'm so sorry. There was a misunderstanding that I would arrive at your home between 10 and 11. I'm on my way. If you prefer that I give you a text or call when I'm on my way or showing up, I will gladly do so. And it resolves quickly. But yeah. a company will be like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose this client. No. Communicate. Talk. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. something we've been having to deal with as well, too. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so Dana, what's next? What's next? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hopefully not dentistry. <laughs> no, no. Oh my goodness. We have so many plans to expand. And also in addition to home health, you know, doing the traditional home health, we are also credentialed with um, insurance companies directly. Um, and we provide outpatient in the home, right? Um, and we also have, uh, you know, one government contract. So we're getting into that contracting space. Um, and um, I don't want to give away the little surprise, you know. Monique, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Alex, if, if you're, you are an entrepreneur, so you have to have big, hairy, audacious goals. Absolutely. If, um, I'm a big believer that if, you're, if your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. So people, um, 
we Dana's been in five years now. I've been in seven. Um, so collaboration is key. A lot of people are surprised to see that Dana, um, myself, and a former classmate of mine, that we collaborate and run as a unit instead of competing with one another. And to me, competition is for people who are uh, on the ground. When, you, when you're trying to get above, you have to collaborate so everybody works together and we can all fly high. Um, so we don't want to just do like the traditional home health. We're still going to do that. We, but we want to bring our, what should I say, flair to it, meaning that we're going to be a companies that are for clinicians, okay, by clinicians. So if you want to have your own business, you want to contract, you don't know how to do it, we will mentor you. You can join us, okay? We will go out and do the groundwork of getting the bigger contracts so you can have patients because a lot of people who are doing a nine-to-five, working at a SNF or at a hospital, and are afraid to go out and do their own thing because they might be scared that they're not going to have that consistent two-week salary. Get over that. Yeah. Right, Dana? Yeah, get over it. Yeah, she was afraid to do that. <laughs> That's but, why I kept but, saying, hmm. <laughs> but don't, don't, don't walk away from this podcast thinking that it's going to be easy, okay? It's not. It's not. Because in the beginning, you know, when I took on, because Alex, you're on your own, right? So you do not have to worry about meeting payroll. You do Correct. not have to hunt down customers to pay you on time because your payroll is pulling from your business account the next day, right? So that's right. something, you know, that we had to go through in the beginning, um, you know, wondering, are we going to meet payroll? That And that, and two sleepless nights, I tell you. <laughs> You know, so don't think that it's going to, don't walk away from this, this podcast thinking that it's going to be easy, that things are just going to fall into your lap. All right. Um, that, okay. Once you have the tools, the collaboration, you have the contracts and stuff, you have your boundaries, you still need to have that mentorship. You still need to have, you know, what they call like, what do you like to call it? The secret word? And I like to call it the source, but maybe... <laughs> <laughs> you, you still need that source okay yeah. like how to deal with that payroll issue how to work around that um, how to get your money from your customers when it's running late you know so it, it, and it, it takes a lot of work and you need that team to push you to, to, to get you out of your comfort zone you know like with Monique you can't sit down in your comfort zone eating chicken and chips Mm-mm. She's not gonna allow it, right? <laughs> no. I, I I got I got that feedback this morning, Alex. She was like, "Jesus Christ, you don't let up at all." I was like, "Nope." All, all gas, no brakes. <laughs> well, I, I definitely look forward to what you and uh, Mo you got going. My, my my sister's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Now you guys get to experience what we experienced for years. <laughs> De- definitely looking forward to hear more about that. And, and, and obviously Dana, what, what you've got going on is awesome. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to be with us tonight. I, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as, as I have. And I'm sure Mo has as well. Um, and I think there's a lot of good stuff. Like, I think, honestly, I think this is the first episode, Mo, that we've done is like truly home health and, and kind of the business behind it and, and how we've kind of each done our own thing and, and, and stuff. So I think that's pretty cool, um, for our show. Yeah. We, we need to do more home health stuff, man. That considering <laughs> we're home health clinicians and, and this is honestly what I feel like is the first, um, what I would say true home health episode and, and the business and, and the fun and the good, the bad, the ugly and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I do uh, wholeheartedly feel like, you know, in our space, we've got an area to, to really shine and, and, and to expand and, and to grow however you want to grow, right. However that looks, whether it's 
what you girls have going on or if it's something that somebody simply just wants to kind of do what I do. Um, there's opportunities out there. There's more than enough food for all of us. Um, and when you collaborate and work with, with like-minded people and good people who have good intentions and, uh, you know, are just deep down inside, just good people, good human beings, um, you know, good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. So I'm definitely excited to see what you got with you and Mo and, and both together and individually have going on and, and what that looks like uh, in your area. Uh, so thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much um, to Monique and Alex for having me as a guest um, to share, bringing me from the back, all right, where I've been, been grinding, Ooh, loving it, but grinding, <laughs> all right, um, to share the journey um, that I've been on, you know, my for my family, for, you know, we always like to say that we're setting up um, for the future. We're setting up a, a future a, a family and also future clinicians who would like to come into this space. Um, you know, so feel free to reach out to us um, and we will help you. We will provide that information so that you can also thrive and have that flexibility and that ease so that you can treat to the top of your license and be successful at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as always, to all of our followers, thank you very much. Continue to watch, like, share, all that good stuff. Follow us on our social media. Once we get Dana up and running in the front row, we'll start sharing <laughs> her stuff as well. Um, but as always, everybody have a good night. Thank you very much. Really do appreciate everybody. All right. Good night, everybody. Peace. Bye. <laughs>